This is Red House Rising, Season 4, Episode 7, Flames Over Red House. This is the final episode of Season 4 and of the Red House Rising series. It's March 1946, six months since the end of the war and the beginning of the U.S. occupation of Japan. General MacArthur and the Japanese people have so far largely succeeded in recommitting Japan to peaceful democracy. But the monumental task of rebuilding the country remains. In China, U.S. attempts to convince Chiang and Mao to share power have failed. Instead, the KMT and the communists have reignited their civil war, sending refugees fleeing to British protectorates like Hong Kong and Singapore. Meanwhile, from Hawaii to Okinawa, the people of the Pacific Islands are doing their best to put their lives back together. Carolines. A twin-engine floatplane makes a long descent toward Moen Island. Maru is the pilot. Joe and Daniel sit in back. Daniel has fallen asleep against Joe. She manages to lean him back without waking him, and then she unbuckles and joins Maru in the cockpit. Are we there yet? We are. Look. Wow. Beautiful day for flying. You tired? You want me to... No, I do not. I know. They'll be so proud of you. Hotshot pilot. Like you. Like you, Joe. Daniel appears from the back, rubbing his eyes and squinting. Mom, you said I could fly after I took a nap. That was a pretty short nap. Mom, you didn't say how long. No, I didn't. All right. Now's a good time. We're almost there. Here. That's it. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh. Okay. Hold on now like I am. Okay? Okay. Have you got it? That's it. Okay, you hold it steady. I'm letting go. Whoa. That's all right. <laughs> That's it. Just like that. Steady. We're going straight for that island. Which island? You'll see it in a minute. It's the island where Mommy grew up. Where? Daniel tries to pull himself up so he can see better, but instead he sends the plane shooting up and throws himself back into Joe. That's all right. I got it. Hey. (laughs) That was exciting flying you did there. Can we do it again? No. No, we're almost there. See? Look, there you go. That's our island. I can see it. Okay, let's get in the back and buckle up. The float plane glides over the water and Maru makes a picture-perfect landing in the seaplane channel next to the island airfield. Nino appears on the dock, driving a three-wheeler taxi cab. Maru pulls the float plane into a mooring and shuts down. Nino hops off his cab and ties the plane to its mooring. 
Nino, how are you? This is my son, Daniel. Daniel, this is Maru's brother, Nino. How do you do, Daniel? I was flying the plane. Were you? Were you the pilot? He was. He was a good pilot. Maru, so proud of you. So happy. So happy. You're a man. So are you. Grown up, I mean. Joe told me about the propeller. He saved the day. Did she tell you she hypnotized the reef shark? I didn't hypnotize it. I was there. I saw it. Nino, ask Daniel where he was born. Where were you born? In the ocean. The Indian Ocean, to be exact. In Waltz Sikorsky, in the middle of the Indian Ocean. What is that? Looks like a motorcycle. You mean my three-wheeler? Where did you get that thing? I made it. The Japanese left lots of useful things behind. Come on, I'll help you get your bags unloaded. Mother Sapu asked me to bring you to her straight away. Well, then we better get going. It feels so strange to be home. It does. Let's hurry. Guangzhou, China, on the Pearl River above Hong Kong. It's late evening. Liang and Mei Ling fight their way through a crush of people surrounding the ferry terminal. This is not where we want to be. No, it's not. Here, this way. Liang and Mei Ling escape the crowd and head downriver along the dock toward the Naisha Temple. Those KMT officers, it's sickening. You wish to leave China? Give us everything. Out of control, it will be the undoing of Chiang Kai-shek. Leaving China in the hands of Mao's rapid cult. What are these two up to? They pass a fishing boat guarded by two men with swords shoved in their waistbands. The men grin lasciviously at them as they walk past. Going to Hong Kong, Hong Kong. ladies? We can take Going you to, to Hong, Hong Kong, Kong, ladies? <laughs> Again, not where we want to be. Those are the smallest swords I've ever seen. <laughs> Meitling, shh. Nefete village on the leeward side of Moan Island. Joe sits with Mother Sapu in the shade of a tree, watching Maru, Nino, and Daniel swimming and fooling around in the waves just offshore. My little Josephine, I still cannot believe you are here. I can't quite believe it myself, Mother Sapu. And Daniel, he is an islander. He is your son completely. I know he is, but I see so much of Nick in him. I want them to know each other. And so he should know his father. You are right, of course. And Maru will fly you there. As far as Guam, where we meet Mike. Mike is the one. Yes, he is the one. Good. And then Maru will be back here, flying transport from Truk, just like I did. Yes, a wonderful blessing. She is a valuable gift to our people at this time. My Josephine, 
I worry for the islands. Will they force us to move like the Marshallese so they can test bigger and bigger bombs? No, not here on Truk. They say they're creating a Pacific testing area. Approving grounds, they say. Well, I say the people of all islands have suffered enough. I say the islands should not be sacrificed any longer. You're right. This is a true thing, Mother Sapu. The islands have had more than their fair share of suffering. Washington, D.C. It's a beautiful spring day. Schumacher dozes on a wide step leading to the U.S. Capitol building. Reggie Powell spots him and comes down the stairs until she's standing over him. Well, that's that. Officially dismissed? The committee will now spend months writing up its China report. Roger was right. China is moving faster than this Congress. Well, it's an election year. They've got campaigning to do. Did Roger ask you about Korea? He didn't ask. He told me I was going with you. He said this central intelligent thing Truman's pushing for, he's going to put Roger in charge of Asia. I know. I told him I'd go. But I needed a break. What kind of break? Up to me. So, Reggie Powell, footloose at last. I just want to play cards, drink whiskey, and spit in a jar. I know a place. No, you don't. Where? Are they really finished with you up there on Capitol Hill? You think I'm lying to you? No, but I I promised Roger I wouldn't distract you. You boys. Here, let's get this cat. (laughs) Thanks, Reg. The place that Schumacher has brought Reggie to has no tables full of gamblers. Only a handful of men at the back playing darts. Reggie sits alone at the bar watching them. She waves the bartender over. What's the buy-in? You'll have to ask them. All right. I'll take another Manhattan. Listen, little girl. If they smell blood in the water, they're going to jack up the stakes for sure. Good to know. Thanks. Schumacher emerges from a hallway and sits next to Reggie at the bar. Okay, so he said they used to have tables in a room back there, and the right people paid off so they weren't raided. But not anymore. I really did know a place. The bartender delivers Reggie's Manhattan. It's all right. Here, drink this. Wait a minute. What are you doing? I'm going over there and see if they'll let me play. Reggie... Wait a minute, Reggie Powell throwing darts? How do I get a piece of this? Reggie turns and gives Schumacher a big kiss on the mouth. Just sit there and look handsome. You'll get your piece. Um, hi. Excuse me, gentlemen. I can play darts, yes? Hey, cutie pie, you any good? Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. We do a little gambling, you know. You'll need some money, honey. I have money. Hell yes. Hell yes, darling. Nagasaki, Japan. It's early morning. Joe, Mike, and Daniel are in the back of a U.S. Army Jeep that is racing at breakneck speed across the Nagasaki city center. 
Emergency shelters are everywhere. Here and there, reconstruction has begun, but large parts of the city are still mostly rubble. Are we late, Jenny? No, I just think the last time in the destruction zone, you know, is better. So sad. It is hard to see, but that's why they brought in so many of us to help. Yep. How's your first night in Nagasaki? Good. We just went to bed. <laughs> we were exhausted. Yeah, that's a long flight from Guam. You were on Guam? Originally from Honolulu. Oh, I see. I was on Tinian before this. That's where I learned how to drive a Jeep. You learned to drive on Tinian? Yeah. <laughs> the nurses needed a driver. I mean, I drove tractor back home since I was 12, but now I can drive a Jeep. Tractor, huh? Mike's a farm boy, aren't you, Mike? I am. Really? Whereabouts? Blue Earth, Minnesota. Get out of town. You don't mean it. I'm from Armstrong. Armstrong, Iowa? Really? Yeah, really. We'd always go down for your 4th of July parade. I know Armstrong. Yep. We'd go up to Interlochen Ballroom there in Fairmont and go dancing. Hot summer nights on the lake, yeah. You know Connie Vincent? Uh, no. Blanche Loren? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Sounds familiar. Tall, blonde. You'd remember Blanche. She would have loved you. Joe grins and winks at Mike. We must have been there at the same time as you. And here we are in Japan now. Small world. Omura Airfield, north of Nagasaki. The Japanese Army airbase has had its runways and hangars repaired and is now a transportation hub for the U.S. and other allies working on Japanese relief. Jenny, we're over there. The shiny one? The DC-3? Actually, sorry. Hold on. Pull over, will ya? What's up? Look who it is. Hey, you two! Taka Kawashima and Estelle Lockett are about to board a different plane. They see Joe and stop. Ginny, we're good here. Thank you so much. Joe and Mike get out of the Jeep. Daniel takes Mike's hand and jumps out. Mike grabs a couple of bags from the back. Joe, pleasure. Mike, glad we got to talk there. See you at Interlochen. You bet. See you at Interlochen. You sure you don't know Blanche Lorraine? <laughs> hmm. I'm not telling. Maybe. I thought you weren't supposed to be here yet. I thought you were coming to Tokyo next week. We are coming next week. Joe and Lockett hug. Mike and Taka warmly shake hands. But first we're going to Matsuyama. Oh, sure. Oh, of course. Nick is very happy you're visiting. I can tell you that. We are, too. Aren't we, Daniel? I'll meet my father in Japan. Well, your father is the best man I know in Japan. And he told me he's very excited to see you, Daniel. Estelle, have you heard the latest about Roger and Asia? You mean Truman's Central Intelligence Project? Somehow you knew Roger was going to wangle away to see you. Yes, I know. And he wants me to work for him again. I turned him down. That's what got Roger and me in trouble in the first go-round. That's for us. I guess that's our cue. 
Travel safe, and we'll see you in Tokyo. You two take care of yourselves. Fly safe. See you soon. Mike, Joe, and Daniel walk up to the All Asia DC 3. The cargo door is swung open, and the boarding stairs are in place. Permission to come aboard. Nick appears in the cargo doorway. He bows to Joe and Mike, and then a deeper bow for Daniel, who bows back. It has been a long time, Mike. Joe, so lovely to see you again. And Daniel. Konnichiwa, father. <laughs> Konnichiwa, son. I like your plane. I do too. I like it a lot. I know how to fly. <laughs> Knowing your mother, I believe you. Rio appears in the doorway next to Nick. Nick puts an arm around Rio's shoulder. Daniel, this is Rio. He knows how to fly too. He's our pilot. Hi, Daniel. Want to come aboard? I'll show you the cockpit. You can sit where I sit. Mom? It's fine, son. Go ahead. <laughs> Here, let me help with those bags. Okay, sure. Here. Thanks. You don't need a cane anymore. No, not anymore. Nick and Mike set down the bags, and Nick offers his hand to Mike, who takes it with both hands. It's great to be here, Nick. It's really wonderful to see you again. Joe puts her arms around Nick and gives him a hug. Glad you're still with us. Apparently you almost weren't. Yes, the Pearl Harbor attack. Joe, you have no idea how much our meeting in Hawaii, when Daniel was small, how much that carried me, knowing he was in the world. Sometimes he carried me too, Nick. Guangzhou, China, downriver from the ferry terminal in the docks. Liang and Mei Ling come to a labyrinth of sampans tied up in narrow channels beside the river. It's late evening and most people are asleep on their boats. But here and there, people huddle in small groups talking and smoking. This must be it. Seems so. Let's try this way. Wait, do you hear that? I do. It's coming from over there. This way. Liang and Mei Ling walk along a narrow plank between boats until they reach a sampan with glass wind chimes hanging from its low roof. A small man emerges from the cabin and smiles. You like the sound? Ching, ching, You like it? Yes, we like it. We like Chingling. Soon Chingling. Madam Sun. The man holds his hand up for quiet, then cautiously looks around. Satisfied, he takes down the wind chimes and puts them inside the cabin. Lily, time to go now. The man turns back to Liang and Mei Ling. Please, board. Liang and Mei Ling do as they're told and step onto the sampan. A teenage girl dressed exactly as the small man is dressed comes out of the cabin and stares at Liang and Mei Ling, a little mesmerized. Hurry, Lily, untie, cast off. The young girl jumps onto the plank, unties the sampan, and pushes it away. The man picks up a long pole from the deck and uses it to push the sampan away from its mooring as the young girl jumps aboard. The sampan clears the channel, and the man pulls in the pole and climbs to the back of the boat. 
The young girl begins rolling up the rope from the mooring. She notices Mei-Ling watching her. With a shy smile, she goes back to what she's doing. I miss her. Feng Li? Yes. I miss our Feng Li. I do too, Mei-Ling. We'll have to find a way to make do until we have her with us again. I know. I can wait. The first thing, in fact, the only thing I want to do once we're in Hong Kong is to take a long, hot bath with my lover. Shh. A long, long hot bath. And we make sure we quietly scrub away every last bit of filth and pain and sadness this world has covered us in. Until it's just you and me and nothing else. Blessed nothingness for a change. You know, Madame Sung's house in Hong Kong has just such a tub. I know. She told me she misses it. Hold me. I'm cold. Mei Ling puts her arm around Liang and pulls her close. Is that better? Yes, better. Just hold me. Mokulea, Hawaii. Ruby and Walt drive up to Kini's store on Ruby's motorcycle. It's a beautiful day, and the store is busy as usual. Walt steps off the bike first. His left hand is in a cast. There they are. Who's that? Mono? Mono and Mackie out there. <laughs> that Mackie is part dolphin. You know, maybe we should get a little place out here. Maybe we should. Really? Maybe. Inside the store, Keeney's behind the counter finishing with a customer. And that's three, four, and five. Nice for those boys out there having you around so they can surf. Mano has been stocking shelves since before the sun came up. He deserves a break. Do you miss it, running the store? Not one little bit. I help out when they need me, but... They don't need me much, and that's fine by me. What happened to your hand, Walter? He got in a fight. It wasn't a fight. Uh, I shut up a guy with a big mouth. Keeney, let me introduce you to Kid Walter. Kid Walter? Oh, I boxed in school. My mother sewed it on my trunks. Well, what happened? Some drunk at the bar was telling everyone how we won the war, but we really lost because now the islands are infested with a riffraff. And he was particularly worked up about our colored saxophone player. Oh, no. So Walt showed him the door and... Oh, well, once we got outside, he took a swing at me, which he should not have done. Did you kill him? Thank God, no. Broke his jaw... And my hand, unfortunately. Hey, there they are. Mono and Mackie come into the store, still toweling off. Kini, how's it? Just fine. Hey, we saw you out there, Mackie. <laughs> I was telling Ruby, you're part dolphin for sure. He really is at home on that board. He'll be better than me one day. Won't you, Mackie? Maybe. Probably. Well, once I get this cast off, I'm finally coming out for my lesson. Okay, Mackie? Mano, look. Suzanne's back. She may have some news. Why? What do you mean? 
Sue Ann and Ichiro join them inside the store. Everything okay, darling? What's the matter? <laughs> Nothing. Then why are you smiling like that? Ichiro? She's fine. She's definitely pregnant. Oh. Pregnant? Oh, oh isn't that wow. great? Oh, Swan. Oh, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. That's great. <laughs> it's twins. Twins? Oh, oh, oh Sue Oh, my God. Twins. I love you. I just. I love you. Wait a minute. Is it two boys or two girls? It might be one of each. We'll have to wait and see. Sue just tripled your grandchildren, Ichiro. It means a lot of work for a big brother. Are you ready for it, Mackie? If they want to surf, I can teach them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful wow. news. She was going to flip oh, when she twins. hears. I mean, We're going to have twins. Ruby's club is closed. Dex is alone on the bandstand, working on a saxophone part. He stops and makes a change to the chart on the music stand in front of him. Better? Okay. Uh, sorry, we're closed. Dex sees the silhouette of a man standing in the doorway. Excuse me, sir. Can I help you? Kai? <laughs> hey, there he is. Hey, what's a... You all right? I'm tired of this feeling. What feeling? Did you go and see your folks? I did. And I know it's just gravestones, but it helps me to sort things out sometimes, talking to them. But it didn't help. They're gone. Like Maru. Like everyone else. And I'm afraid... Damn it, I'm afraid of losing you. You're not. What do you mean? How long before you go back to the mainland and become, who knows, a big star? Kai. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid of... I'm afraid of how you make me feel, Dex. I'm afraid of losing that. Listen clearly to me. You fought for the freedom of the whole damn world and lived to tell. You are a shining star, not me. And I'm not going anywhere. I told you. I like it here in Hawaii. Here with you. Your island is my home now. (laughs) You dig? Dex rubs Kai's shoulder. I've seen other men come back from it who can't find their way. But that's not you. Kai, I'm just as afraid as you are of losing someone. You're that someone. Understand? I I do. Rogers Airport, Honolulu. The Pan Am Seaplane Channel. Ichiro and Ruth walk along the dock toward the California Clipper, an enormous flying boat. I know you'll think I'm making this up, but I had a dream about us. Oh? We were together in San Francisco. Oh, I see. We were riding on a cable car, and I wasn't being careful, wasn't hanging on around a corner, and I started to fall. 
but you grabbed me and pulled me back. And the conductor rang his bell and people cheered. Wow. Glad I was there. And then you told me all about all the -the state-of-the-art hospitals and medical schools there. Did I? All around the bay, you said. I was probably right. They reach the gangway. People are already boarding. All right. Goodbye, Ichido. Ruth, stop. You've been good to my friends. So wonderful to me. You're beautiful and smart. And I know San Francisco is incredible, but I need to stay here in Honolulu. At least for now. That's fine. That's fine. Come next week. (laughs) Ruth. It's simple, Ichiro. Life is short. That's all. Life is too short for maybe some days. All right. You'll come to your senses. Kiss me goodbye like you mean it. Goodbye, Ruth. Who's ruthless now? Ichiro. Matsuyama Japan, Nick's house. Daniel and Rio are having a noodle slurping contest. So is the goal to finish the noodles first or make the most noise? Both. Both. Done. Done. I say you're both winners. Rio ate more. But Daniel ate louder. Yeah! Okay, rematch at dinner, okay? Okay. Come on. I'll show you to your room. So, you're in Tokyo. So you are close for Nick to visit. Well, we plan to come visit you, too. It will be our pleasure. It really is remarkably beautiful here. Mike and Fumiko gaze out the window and see Nick and Joe walking in the garden beyond the courtyard. Mike, perhaps you wish to join them. The trees are flowering. No, that's all right. Thank you, Fumiko. Let's let them have time together. Unless you wish to. No, no. Exactly right, Mike. They should have time. I want to thank you for bringing Daniel back into Prince Nikura's life. He's so proud of him. Sure. He should be. His son is terrific. And so is your son, Fumiko. My God, what he experienced. And he's come through it. He's, he's, I mean, for one thing, he's a terrific pilot. We lost his father in the war. Uh, I'm sorry. But he would have been so proud of Rio. He would have, Fumiko. Absolutely. I lost someone dear to me in the war. But they're always with us. Aren't they? Yes. Nick and Joe walk side by side through rows of cherry trees filled with blossoms. Such a beautiful garden, Nick. It's intoxicating. It's... it's just how I imagined it to be. Yes. You've timed your arrival perfectly. The trees blossom earlier here in Matsuyama than they do in Tokyo. Joe, our son, is magnificent. He is. He's five, so he's a little rambunctious at times, but he is adorable. He gets this 
look on his face when he's really focused on something. He reminds me so much of you. <laughs> Harmonious blend. Isn't that what we said? Because when I look at Daniel, I see you, Joe. This opportunity for both Mike and I to work here in Japan it means you and Daniel can be together, get to know each other, father and son. For which I am so grateful. You know, when you left Truk before the war, I asked Mike to take care of you and he said he would. I didn't ask him to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good man. Yes, yes. And he and Daniel are close. It's easy to see. They hit it right off from the start. He knows Mike isn't his father, but he treats him like he is. <sighs> All right. I must say something that I told myself I would regret saying, but I would also regret not saying. So, completely regrettable. I can't wait. <laughs> I love you, Joe. I've always loved you. I always will. You know, we'll always love each other. I love you, but I can let go of you now. I can let you go because I have a son. You gave me Daniel. You gave me a place to put my love for you. A strong breeze kicks up. Cherry blossoms swirl and float around them. Are you okay? Should we go in? No. I'm enjoying this. Joe leans in and kisses Nick on the cheek, and they walk on, arm in arm, through the orchard. There is nothing to regret, Nick. No. You're right, Joe. Nothing. Tonoas Island, Truk Lagoon. It's after midnight, but there's a full moon overhead. Maru carries a satchel as she walks along Kamali Bay. She turns and takes a rugged path up into the jungle. The path stops at a clearing where a large red house stands. The house is riddled with holes from strafing and cannon fire, and one side of it is listing badly. The red house was where Maru and many other young girls were sexually abused early in the war. Maru kicks in the front door and goes inside, carrying the satchel. Maru comes out the front door of the house without the satchel. She walks back down the path as smoke begins floating out the front door. All at once, the house explodes into a fireball. Maru never looks back to see the flames over the red house rising and rising and rising. Red House Rising was produced, written, edited, and directed by Chris Cote and Dale Carey. Original music and sound design by Jack Cote. 
Starring Dale Carey, Rachel Wong, Roy Vongtama, Chris Cote, Chelsea Kurtz, Finn Kim, Ellen Ma, Andy Goldberg, Tiffany Hubbard, Melinda Chilton, Rio Shigeda, Diana Miho, Priscilla Boycha, Josh McClenney, Maria Spasov, Theodore Chin, Don Joyle, Smitha Chandrabose, Dana Scott Galloway, Arnold Chun, Julia Cho, Kareem Ferguson, Scott Sandler, Celia McLennan, William Woff, Mark Shubb, Helene Lambeck, Don McLennan, Desi Powell, and Mason Mickle. Narration by Robin Abkarian.